Ladies and gentlemen. Good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have on board Clifford Foster from Universal Business Brokers to talk to us all about how strong systems and processes lead to great deals. And now I've witnessed Cliff in action many times over. And I can tell you, he is a broker that has really strong systems and processes. And I've witnessed how these systems and processes have contributed to fast and efficient deals. So in this episode, we dig into what systems Cliff uses, and we look at what systems he put in place to double his sales in less than a year. We discuss what contributes to a successful deal and on the flip side, what to look out for in things that can trip a deal up and cause it to fall over. We also dig into the importance of having a great team. So sit back and enjoy. Here we are speaking to Cliff all about systems and processes in acting in the sale of a business. Cliff, welcome on to the Deal Room Podcast. Thank you. Great. One of the reasons that I wanted to have you on the show today is um, one of the things that I've noticed in working with you is just how prolific you are in dealing with buyers and sellers, but how, um, I guess, the systems and processes that I've observed that you have that really push deals through. And, and I thought it was would be really useful today to just step through that and also to talk about how it is or some of the issues that occurred along the way that, that drove you to create the process um, the way it is. So maybe, um, maybe just start off, give us a quick background, who you are and what, what you do at Universal Business Brokers. Okay, so I've been a broker for 10 years. I started off at a big firm. Uh, I was there for five and a half years, so I think you read about that. And I've been on my own now for about four and a half years. So I've been just under 10 years I've been a broker. Luckily, I, uh, prior to being a business broker, I own numerous different sectors of businesses. So I already own nightclubs. I own, you know, I own a production company, security firm. I've you know, been involved in a lot of things. I currently own a day spa. So I feel a bit like... <laughs> serial entrepreneur, Cliff, the true serial entrepreneur. <laughs> Industry. So I understood business, but I was going to go out on my own as a business broker because I experienced um, bad, bad times with business brokers in, in, in the last business that I sold 11 years ago and lost quite significantly. So I thought to myself that if that's how business brokers operate, well, then I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be a business broker and I'm going to do it right. I went and studied and I got my license and I got poached off the course by someone who at that time luckily had all the time to show me how to do it properly. Uh, I stayed in that firm. I was the highest selling broker in that firm for the good majority of the time that I was there. I stayed in that firm for five and a half years. Uh, actually, my first year in that firm, with no experience whatsoever, I was I was the national broker of the year. Wow. And so um, so luckily I was show probably, but I had that an assy and understanding of business to be able to 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 yeah, obviously understand vendors and purchases and what they what they're after and what they need to be able to get a deal across the line. So luckily yeah. I showed the systems and the ways to do it properly. Uh, and straight away picked it up to the point that um, that I was good at it pretty well straight away. 
Mm. So over the time, I, I, I just kept going and, and, and got to a point where I thought, well, now it's time to go it alone. Uh, I picked up the skills that I needed, which I then took with my own systems and my own measures to be able to sell a business and implement it in the Universal Business Brokers. So when I started Universal Business Brokers, I, I had a system that I had in my mind that I wanted to use. Um, so I had a database, or sorry, a, a CRM developed that I thought was the correct one. Um, for what we do using all the systemizations that I need to make my job a lot easier and, and then launch Universal Business Brokers. In launching Universal Business Brokers in the first year, I doubled my sales and it's just continuously grown every year since then. So uh, I, put a, I put a couple of brokers on, so I've got, I've got two on my team right now, uh, one broker and one admin. I don't intend to grow any bigger because I actually like it like that. I think once you get to big, you know, get as, as a bigger brokerage firm, um, you lose the personality. So I decided, you know, I bought a massive office to go big and then I changed my mind. So what I've found is that we probably sell more than most of those bigger brokerages with just the two of us. Yeah, right. So yeah, we can control it with the admin assistance and the way that we've set up the system. Yeah, and coming back to that that control, and, and I think that is a great word that you've chosen to use there because that's certainly something that I see um, in working with you and, and your uh, the way you set out your deals, you have a lot of control. And I think that there's a lot, a massive amount of benefit for that um, at the end of the day in keeping deals on track. Maybe can you talk a little bit about what that control looks like? So what is it that you felt needed to control along the way and why? Yeah, so, so finding the buyer is one part. I mean, not saying it's the easy part, but it's one part. And it's the part from finding the buyer and getting interested and then getting to close the deal, exchange the contract and then move forward to settlement. So there's a whole lot of aspects along the way that you have to control there. So, you know, firstly, you've got the buyer. You first got to convince the buyer to buy. Then you've got the buyer solicitor. If the buyer solicitor is not the right person and they're going to use someone who does wills and criminal law, um, the deal's going to be stuffed from the start. So first thing we do is try and convince the buyer to use a, sol- a solicitor that we find to be competent. So we know that they're going to be looked after and also also the process is going to be smooth and the buyer underst- the buyer's lawyer understands how to sell businesses because they special. Mm. The second one is, so when the seller wants a contract to sell after, we refer them also to the right lawyers so the contract will be drafted correctly and use the standard um, law society agreements that make it smooth so the other lawyer knows that transaction as well and how to read those contracts. But, you know, then there's the next person. Once you get past the, uh, the, the, get the deposit from the buyer, uh, and you move and you move forward with the sale, and then the contract start the negotiation. We request our lawyers CC us in all communication so we can assist with it. Um, so if we're CC'd on it, we know where the problems are, and we can put the fires out before the fire start. So in do, in doing that, obviously the buyer the buyer's lawyer can't tell, talk to the sell the seller, and the and the seller's lawyer can't talk to the buyer. But we can talk to who everybody, right? Mm. So we can help that process along. Then once we've got to that point, we get to that point, and we negotiate the deal and we exchange the contract. Well, the next person you've got to deal with is the managing agent, the landlord, or the landlord's lawyer. Now, the landlord only cares that the person can pay his rent. The landlord's lawyer only cares for the landlord, right? So we need to prove to the landlord, and firstly, you put the managing agent, who usually we jump above them because on many occasions they're incompetent. So we usually jump above them, <laughs> and uh, we go directly to the landlord or the landlord's lawyer. Uh, in most cases, in a lot of areas where I deal, I mean, I, I know most of the principals of the real estate agents, so I'll jump to them. But on a lot of occasions, as you've experienced, I'll step above all and go straight to the landlord or the landlord's lawyer. Now, the, landlord's, the landlord wants to know a couple of things. Does the buyer have the expertise to be able to run the business? Does the buyer have the financial position to be able to run the business? So we need to put an application forward to the landlord and the landlord's lawyer, giving them comfort that the buyer has the ability to run and finance the business. 
So we get all the things we know they want. They want the asset liability statement, the proof of assets, the resumes, the references, the 100 points of ID and some yeah. check. So we prepare that all prior to submitting it to the landlord or the landlord's lawyer to help that deal across the line. So if they get a bit they want up front and they look and it looks good, well they're gonna improve. So we help the we help the buyer with that. We help them with his resume, we help them with references, we help them with everything until I'm happy or we're happy that that application looks hundred percent, I'm gonna submit it. And that is such a good point. Sometimes I talk about um, this stage as being almost like a marketing document. Obviously, it's not marketing, but you're trying to sell, you know, the ability of the buyer, aren't you? You know, and I think incorrectly done, you just create a whole heap of angst and time. And obviously, this risk that the landlord, you, you know, isn't going to be happy and is going to create a slower process or um, thorns in the process issues, you know. Yeah, 100%. So, so we write a letter to the landlord, the landlord's lawyer, and we, and we tell them about the buyer. So, you know, dear John, we'd like to introduce you to, to Betty. Betty's had, you know, 16 years' experience in business. She's owned blah, 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 blah. Yeah, Betty's position is she's got a net worth of $3.6 million. Betty doesn't need finance to buy the business. She's a cash buyer. Uh, Betty has experience in this particular industry because she's owned ABC businesses. Mm. Uh, we'd like to introduce you to Betty, and here's the supporting documents for her application. Point. Asset liability statement, proof of assets, and we give them all the stuff they need. So first we tell them about them, then we prove everything about them. So the landlord goes, yes, they have owned this particular type of business before. Yes, here's their bank statements. They have got like, this down, you know, 300, 400, 500 grand in the bank. So mm -hmm. the landlord gets that one document and usually a decision is made off the first email. So usually the landlord looks at it and goes, yeah, that all stands up. Right, so he gives it to the lawyer, and the lawyer does the assignment document. So if it's not done that way, a lot of brokerage firms I know, you know, they try and find the buyer if, if by some chance they find one, they flip it to the, 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 the vendor's lawyer or the, the, they send out the sales advice and their job's done. They sit there and wait for their, their, their commission. Well, deals will fall over. Yeah. The only way to do it is to control it all the way through, you know, even as far as, you know, helping them fill out applications for a song for a liquor licence or, or their application for outdoor seating or, you know, the franchises that we deal with, you know, any time fitness and places like that, we actually do the application for the franchise. So we help them with everything and they prefer we do it because they know if we do it, it's going to be done right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that is such a good point. And you earlier talked about the importance of having the right team. So the right lawyers on board, lawyers who um, understand the business sale process and know how to work through it commercially and, and other um, team members. I, th I think it'd be useful maybe to talk about what issues led you to that, because I'm sure you didn't start with that as a position. So what? how did that evolve and why? Yeah, so I found that at every step in the process, there was always a cheat. There was always a kink in the process that made it harder. So the right professional service that we recommend, um, you know, it just helps the job along easier. And you know, the, these particular professionals, we know they're competent enough to make sure the deal gets across the line for the vendor and the buyer to protect them both. So we went one step further. As you know, we've just built a new office. Internally in that office, we're going to have business insurance. We're going to have as an, an individual professional that we choose to be in our office. Legal. So we're going to have a, a, two, two law firms that we're confident that we we'll work with, like yourselves, um, so that we can have a supply a buyer with a solicitor and also a seller with a solicitor so they can be protected. Uh, also, you know, um, a finance broker. We've got a finance broker coming in who I've just personally dealt with on buying a couple of properties and, and um, he's, he's unbelievable, you know. So I've invited him into the office and he's coming in. So we're just trying to get, you know, insurance, you know, um, digital marketing, marketing. Uh, these are all the people who are invited into our office to take, mm. to take space in our office so that we can we can manage that process or offer that service or these professional services to our clients and recommend them because we know there's people who are going to do the right job. The one-stop shop. <laughs> 
<laughs> and, and I thought, you know, do I employ these people and do I do it myself? No, I don't think that's feasible, I think, but to choose the right professionals and invite them in. Um, so that when they come in the office, then they obviously will refer as much as we can to them so that they can they can look after the whole transaction on our behalf. And all be in that one office so we can get the deal to be a lot smoother than, say, you know, ringing a solicitor up that's or an accountant up that's always in a meeting. Well, it's going to be hard if they're going to be in a meeting because they're sitting over there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's what that's where we're moving forward. That office is getting built as we as we speak. That's settled in June, and then the build will start. You know, so you know, professional boardroom space. So we'll have a couple of big boardrooms in there with you know all the necessities. With you know, so people can you know come in and get a coffee, tea, soda, water, whatever they want. There's going to be it's all going to be there in that one office, so that we can you know we can you know, make a very very professional five star environment. Brilliant. And one of the things I'd also like to talk about is um, your marketing approach, because I, I think that's also something that um, is a little bit different in relation to what you do. So maybe can you run us through um, how you approach marketing side and why it's a bit different? Yeah, so there's the old school marketing, which people do, which we do as well, um, which is all the websites. We're on all the websites. So that's not where we're selling most of the businesses. So websites are great. There's an active buyer looking to buy a business and they're searching around on there and they're, they're looking to buy and they inquire about it. But there's not always going to be, or in most cases, not where we find the buyer from. So obviously social media and, and you know, the internet now is a, you know, the preference in our marketing that we invest quite heavily in. So I went and studied um, social media marketing quite intensively to a point where we go to a marketing company at one point and found out we did it better. So we actually programmed the back of these social media outlets. I mean, um, you know, Facebook or LinkedIn to actually send our advertising out directly to people who we think might be interested in buying it. So as I explained before, it's like shooting a shotgun at a duck. If you if you stand up two metres away, you're going to shoot the shotgun, the pellet's going to come out, you're going to hit the duck. Whereas if you stand 100 metres away, you're probably going to miss the duck. So what we do is program in the back of the social media campaigns for direct social media marketing um, so that we're up close to hitting the duck. So we might, you know, spend a certain amount of money to try and target that demographic or, or industry of people. For example, you know, if I'm going to sell a plumbing business, well, who do I want the ads to go to? Well, I want them to go to plumbers. I don't want them to go to mechanics. I don't want them to go to, to beauticians. I want them to go directly to plumbers. So we program and look at the, the demographic area or the surrounding of where we think people would want to buy um, that particular plumbing business or that particular gym or that particular engineering firm, and then we shoot the marketing out directly to those people. So to give you an example of a recent ad that we just done for a building company, um, we put it up on the, all the websites. We had six inquiries in that 14-day 14, 14 span through the business for sale websites, and we had 27 through Facebook. Wow. So, and a, a recent transaction I just done with you, Joanna, is that with the plumbing company that we sold, that was off Facebook. So, I mean, we never got that buyer. That buyer was, wasn't actively looking on the websites. He, it popped up on his feed, oh, plumbing, commercial plumbing business for sale. That's the man who bought it. Right, so if you don't do that types of marketing, you're going to lose a lot of buyers. I'm going to, I'm going to say that not all, but at least half or the majority of businesses that we're selling at the present, we're getting through the social media avenues. That's fascinating. And because, um, you know, this, the buyer of this business was a client, um, even before he went along and bought the business that you had for sale. And I know he was interested in buying another pl plumbing business, but I don't think he was at the point then of um, actually going through, you, you know, the for sale websites or engaging in an active campaign of looking for businesses. So the fact that you reach 
reach him at that point, I think, you know, is um, is testament to the process. But I've also spoken to businesses and I've known of businesses in the past that have been sold via um, social media marketing campaigns where... Uh, where there've been issues because the buyers aren't necessarily ready um, to purchase. So do do you find that that, has that struck you as a difference in terms of potential buyers that come via social media versus the traditional, um, you you know? Yeah, yeah. Look, the websites, honestly, you can can say 90% of inquiries aren't ready to buy anyway, no matter where you get them from. So, yes, social media, you're going to get a lot, you know, a person looking on the business sale websites is actively looking to buy a business and they're looking for a gym and they're looking for an engineering. They're searching for that particular type of industry. Whereas off the social media campaigns, it's obviously popping up on every plumber's business or every you know personal trainer or investor's feed and they're looking at it and going, oh, that's interesting, submit. Doesn't mean they want to buy, they're just interested to know what, what we're talking about with that particular business. So, yes, out of those 27 inquiries I would, for the plumbing business, I would say at least sure, maybe 18 of them were plumbers. Um, but most of would have sticky beak and try and find out which one it was and what contracts they got and somehow right. try to get that information out of us, which they're never going to get. Yeah. Like the, the clients' names and the prices they charge. So, but in saying that, we had three very serious buyers. Those twenty-seven buyers. You know, two of them, two of them had meetings with the owner. One had two meetings. One had three meetings, which we don't usually do until we talk of money. But I thought they were serious enough um, to buy it, and eventually he bought it. So. As you know, with that, with that same process in that as well, there was a lot of hiccups along the way with coronavirus and that sort of stuff that uh, we had to be a little bit constructive in how we settled that deal, uh, obviously with an earn-out at the end, and which was you know could have been a point where it fell over. So we negotiated an earn-out structure that we know that they're going to be successful at because predominantly this particular plumbing business does hospitals and nursing homes. <laughs> we know it's going to do okay. So the, the vendor was happy with that, and so we did an earn-out towards the end. We saved the deal towards the end when it looked like it might have fallen over. But, you know, social media-wise, I can't talk highly enough of it. I mean, it's grown my business, and I, you know, I invest heavily in it. Yeah, fascinating. Okay, brilliant. And and one last question, just back to one of the things you talked about um, right at the beginning. You talked about moving into your own practice and your recognition of systems, that, that systems would make the whole process useful and then subsequently you doubled the amount of businesses that you sold or had sold prior to that. What, what are the key systems that you created then and what are the key systems that you think are important now? Well, it's, it's the structure in the way you sell a business, right? So as I said, 90%, if not 95% of people are just going to waste your time. So so the systems that we use is basically when they first inquire for the website for a social media campaign, we then send them out a link to an online confidentiality agreement. So once they've signed that online confident, confidentiality agreement, doesn't mean they're going to get the business because you can put whatever name you want on there, Joe Bloggs, John Citizen. So then we want to qualify firstly before we start working with this buyer that you know, John Citizen is actually named John Citizen and he does actually live at 127 Right, So we then ask for probably their driver's licence. If they're not willing to provide their driver's licence, which many, many try not to, they're probably not a serious buyer because... What a great filter. <laughs> Simple. Guys, take off your date of birth and take off your driver's licence number. You've already given me your name, your email address and your, and your home address. So there's nothing else on your driver's licence other than your driver's licence number and your date of birth that I haven't already got. So if yeah. you buy really John Citizen from 127 and that really is your address and that really is you, well, then just send me a photo that proves that. So we probably get rid of 50% of our inquiries just on that because 
in this industry, obviously, there's a lot of cutthroat type situations where the seller brokerage firms and, and real estate agencies and mergers and acquisitions firms try and find the rest of your business so they can try and send their client their, their buyers in, which they probably haven't got. But so we, we we get rid of them, and over the years, I think most other most competitors have realised they're not going to get too much out of me because I work out who they are. So even if they give their driver's license, that's fine. They're still not going to get the information unless I'm comfortable with it. But even before I've sent that request, I've researched you on social media. If you if I can't find you on Google, well, you don't exist, right? So I Google, mm. I LinkedIn you, I Facebook you, I look at who your friends are, I put in certain people's names in your in your feeds so I can actually qualify. If I do find you and you and and, and I can see yes, you're inquiring about a gym and you're an accountant or a lawyer or a doctor who is the most people to buy those things, um, and you do actually live in Miranda or, or wherever you live, you know. So if I can qualify, I then feel comfortable. Doesn't still mean I'm going to give you the address. So then you're going to get a call from us, or more than likely you're going to call me if you're a serious buyer because serious buyers call you and don't wait for me to call them. Yeah. But if you don't, I'm still going to call you. So I'm going to call you twice. If I if I call you and I leave a message, you don't answer the phone, I'm going to leave a message saying it's Cliff from Universal Business Progress calling you about the, the, the business you inquired about. Uh, here's my number, please give me a call back. I'll do that twice. If after two phone calls they don't ring you back, they're not a serious buyer. But even if they are, the answer or they ring me, uh, generally, then I'm going to qualify you. So, for example, I'll use a plumbing business for sale. Or, uh, for, for example, okay, so first question I'm going to ask you is, are you a plumber? And if they say no, I'm going to say, well, why are you looking at a plumbing business? Oh, I've got a friend who's a plumber. What's your friend's name? My friend's name's John. All right, well, give me John's email address, phone number, and I'm going to send him a confidentiality, get him to fill it out, and then I'm going to talk to John. So I don't deal with the friend, I deal with the, the, the buyer. Right. So most times people are just trying to get your information with no intention to buy. So we eliminate that many. So I will say one in five, maybe one in six people that actually inquire about a business that I'm certain will actually get the address. So, but if I do ring you and I say, you know, hi Peter, yeah, you know, you've inquired about the plumbing business, you know, there's a couple of questions before I give the details of the business. Are you a plumber? Yes, I am a plumber. Business on the market at $485,000. Um, do you need assistance for finance? When I ask that question, I'm not asking that question because I can assist them in finance, but I'm asking that question to trick them and give me the wrong answer to decide whether I give them the business or not. Mm. If they say, oh, yes, I do, and I say, okay, it's 485000 how much finance do you need? If they say 485000 I say, that's fantastic, but have you got equity in property? They say, no. Has there got any money at all? I go, no, they're all way ringing. <laughs> so I, I qualify them. I, and if they say, yes, actually, no, I don't need, you know, I don't need finance. I've got another small um, plumbing business. You know, have a good equity property. Yeah, mate, actually, I actually have my property outright, but I don't need it. I probably do need 50% finance, but I've got 250 that they're a buyer. Once, once they've made me feel confident, then I'm their best friend. Yeah. Give me the information they need, and I'm going to help them with anything they need to be able to feel comfortable to buy this business. So I'm going to tell them all the fantastic things about the business. For example, you know, obviously, you know, the, the last one we just sold, you know, they've been in business 42 years, the gentleman's retiring, he's happy to stay on call, and all the positive things to make them feel confident to buy the business and work with the accountants and the lawyers and everything. And then, you know, when they buy, it moves forward, so there's more to it, you know, and they're going to refer them to professional services. For example, I'm going to say, have you got a commercial lawyer? I've got a lawyer. I'll go, uh, does he do professional business sales law? Uh, oh, no, he wrote me Arnie Betty's will. <laughs> don't, use, don't use Arnie Betty's lawyer. I'll tell you what, I'll give you a lawyer who I think you should use, and these are the reasons why. Um, you know, do you need assistance with finance? Uh, oh, I once got finance on, on a car. I don't use that bloke. Use Matt, and that's fantastic. He's, he'll get your finance. He used to be the boss of, you know, Westpac Bank Commercial. So I then help them with the professional services they need to be able to buy the business because then if I give these professional services that I feel confident these guys will get the job done and I don't, 
you know, and, and we all work together to get the deal done. So all the systems that we use, every email we sent out is templated. So I wrote them and over time they've changed and they will continue to change until they're, until I feel they've, well, just continue to change, just, you know, things change and you know, to get it perfect. I feel mm-hmm. pretty good. Um, so no matter what process in that, there's a particular email we send out to a certain person in relation to that, right, so which gives them the information they need. For example, the sales advice, we need to write that in a certain way in all the details and the contact details, but also structure what the, what the deals of the sale is. So in that sales advice, so I've got a template for that. I've got a template for the first response. I've got a template for the please requesting the, the copy of the driver's license. I've got a template for everything. Um, even for the oncoming, uh, you know, the vendor that's going to come on with us, I've got a template for him to give to his old broker who didn't sell it to eliminate the agency agreement. So, you know, I've templated the whole thing as best as I can to make the deal as smooth as possible. Mm. Absolutely love it, Cliff. And look, I, I can just see, you, you know, the transactions that I work with you in move really quickly, move, move smoothly. And, and I think it's a function of the right people, you know, the deal team. Um, I quite often think about this area as being most efficient when you've got the right deal team in place. And um, I think you've, on top of that, have, you know, systems and processes that you clearly apply rigorously. And I love some of the stories of the way you (laughs) apply them. They're just fabulous. But in all reality, Obviously, this is what gives you the ability to move so efficiently for for sellers and for buyers as well, you know, to um, pair them together quickly, which is, you know, you do move very quickly, I've got to say. Yeah, well, that's the time is of the essence. I mean, people can change their mind, right? So you want to you get them into that contract and exchange that contract as fast as possible. So the process that we take too is, 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 is not wasting our time with non-serious parties. So once you get to a point, um, before we do introductions with, uh, with, you know, the buyer to the seller and that sort of stuff. In some cases, we'll do a buy to a deposit being paid. But if you're a serious buyer, I'll give you enough information to make a decision whether you want to buy that business. And nearly any answer they ask me, I'll, have, I'll, I'll know because I've researched the business, I've had meetings with the owner, I, I, I have a good understanding of what that business is and how it operates. So generally, I can answer their questions. Uh, but I'm not going to set up little meetings because I've had many hundreds of little meetings when I first started out as a broker when they just come with a whole lot of silly questions that I could have answered for them and waste the time of the vendor, myself, and the buyer. So, yeah. so once they've got to a point where they're going, where, where they're where they're a serious buyer, I then want to deposit. You know, so before I move forward, before they get a contract to start, um, to then review and start costing you know money for both buyer and seller negotiating contracts, I want to deposit. And then, as we all know, a deposit is 100% refundable up until exchange of contracts for any reason. So I make it feel comfortable with that in an email. Um, once I've got a deposit, so for example, a $500,000 sale, no one puts 50 grand in your deposit in your trust account unless they're dead this year, right? So yeah. usually what I find is if a deposit goes in, 95% of the time the deal will happen. It's just when, once the deposit goes in, we send out the sales advice. We then help the buyer and the seller through the whole process with their professional services and all the documents and information they need to feel comfortable for that sale to go through. And by using the right lawyers and the, and the right professionals, the deal will go through. Yeah. So, so generally once we get to that point, we found once the deposit's given, I'm not saying we have them in front of deposits because we have, but, but 90%, 90, 95% of the time the deal goes through. Yeah. Look, awesome, Cliff. Um, thank you very much for all of your tips today. Any parting tips that you have for, I guess, vendors who um, who are looking to sell, anything that you think is important for them just to be aware of leading up to that sale? Look, I do. I do. I mean, to give you the understanding of the business broker industry, it's now changed. I actually sit on the board of the Australian Institute of Business Brokers. I'm one of the directors of, of, the, of the association. Um, there's a lot of business brokers that come in the industry that, prior to now 
used to be able to do a seven-day course of college online. Now, off they go with their, their suitcase and they're a business broker. Yeah. They've never owned a business before. They don't understand how to operate a business. They don't understand the needs of the vendor and the purchaser. You know, so there's a lot of them around. And a lot of these guys are running around, you know, uh, so doing it so, so significantly cheaper than the professional brokers. That's because they've got no work, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I always say be wary of the cheap guy. You know, I mean, if you want to, if you, you know, you buy the old car, the old Datsun 120Y, you get where you get a brakes down the road. Where you, <laughs> Keep driving, right? So, so I always say to vendors to be very careful of the cheap guy. You know, I'm not saying that we're expensive; we're definitely mid range. But I mean, but I mean, I always get the people who come to me, the vendors, saying, "Oh, you know, you're this and that guy is three thousand cheaper." I go, "Well, go get that guy to do it." <laughs> you know, but yeah. be careful of that guy because that guy will usually get their client back, or we've taken another three or four clients off them. So it's important that vendors feel comfortable with their broker. Um, do some research or maybe ask some questions like how many do they sell in that industry? What is the success rate from listing to sale? What are your marketing strategies? How do you do it before you make a decision on what broker you use? Mm, yeah, brilliant. Okay, wonderful. And Cliff, if anyone listening to this is interested in getting in contact with you or if you're an accountant out there and you have a, a business owner that's looking to sell, Cliff, how do they get in contact with you? Yeah, we get referrals of lots of lots of lots of accounts and law firms, so they feel confident with us. But it's quite easy. You can either you know um, uh, ring me or email me or go on my website universalbusinessbrokers.com.au or get me on my email Clifford at universalbusinessbrokers.com.au or give me a call on my mobile oh four two two four eight six two seven seven or my one three hundred number one three hundred double o one three o three. Brilliant. And if you are running along the beach right now listening to this, uh, lucky you, or, or on your commute into work and you haven't got a pen handy, don't worry. Just head over to the show notes and we'll put all of those details in there. Cliff, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. Thank you for having me. Well, that's it for this episode, all about how strong systems and processes lead to great deals. If you'd like more information about this topic, then just head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com where you'll be able to download a transcript of this podcast episode if you'd like to read it in more detail. There you'll also find details of how to contact Clifford Foster at Universal Business Brokers. And of course, you'll also find details of how to contact our lawyers at Aspect Legal if you or your clients would like to discuss any legal aspects of sales or acquisitions. We have a number of great services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisition process and we work with clients both big and small. So don't hesitate to book an appointment with our legal eagles if you'd like to find out how we might be able to assist. And finally, if you enjoyed what you heard today, then please pop over to Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast player and maybe consider leaving us a review. And while you're there, make sure you hit subscribe so you can get the Deal Room podcast delivered straight to your podcast player every week as we release. Well, that's it. Thanks again for listening in. You've been listening to Joanna Oki and the Deal Room podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Aspect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. 
we provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition. So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to The Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au. Deal Room.